in the area of finances. So if you'll pull out your outlines, that'll be helpful for us. Last week, we discussed this issue and I talked about the simple truths in relationship to finances. There are only two real major areas. The Bible speaks to them on a regular basis. If you want to study them, you really need to go to Matthew chapter 6, which is Jesus' dissertation to help us understand how finances either work for us or against us. And in that particular area, he talks in two areas. First of all, he talks about the issue of greed versus generosity. Greed versus generosity. He helps us understand that if we don't choose generosity, that greed will continue to grow in our lives and our eyes will become dark and will become bitter. And as we get older, we'll get worse and worse and worse. Because it will destroy your life. You will become what all the stories talk about in these misers and these mixed up people who are controlled by their money, who die with millions and never gain any real sense of happiness. Jesus says you must choose generosity over greed. Secondly, he speaks to the issue of you must recognize that God is the only one that can own Money. You cannot. If you try to own it, it will own you every single time. You can see the similar picture here in relationship to the greed and generosity. But here it's about ownership versus managing. You see, God allows us to manage resources that he brings into our life and he shows us how to do that. And if we do it correctly, we'll find that our life is one that's filled with light and with love with encouragement, and we'll find ourselves not worrying about how the next check is going to come in, how we're going to be able to pay our bills, how these things are going to play, because we'll follow God's directive, and we are managing His resources, and when we do that, everything works correctly. It's a cadence of the universe. God has set up a cadence. It's a drum beat. It's our heartbeat, he says. And when you follow my directives in my direction, you'll find your heart beating regularly and consistently to the directive of God. And you'll find yourself generous as opposed to greedy. And you'll find you are able to manage the resources that God provides you with. However big they are or however little they are, it won't make any difference because God has directed you, has laid out those resources and has shown you how to use them correctly. If you don't follow these directions, I can guarantee you, you will fall into nothing but problems. Guaranteed. Watch it over and over and over again. That's why Jesus spends so much time on this issue of finances, because they're such a dangerous, dangerous thing. So last week we talked about these three major elements in generosity. The generosity shows we love God. It helps us to gain a vision for our finances. And we're able to give out of cheerful hearts. We find that it's easy to give stuff. Okay, let me see here. I'm going to pick on somebody. Hmm. I'm going to pick on Tim. Tim, let me see your wallet, will you, buddy? I appreciate that, man. You're a good man. Now... One thing I've found with other people's wallets, and that is very easy to give away everything they have. In his case, keep it, buddy. Yeah, he's been generous. That's why he doesn't have much there. 
It is so easy to give away other people's money. I have found that people that have large business allowances will pay for the huge amounts of things. But when it comes to their turn, where it's really their money coming out, everything changes. Everything changes. You see, God is trying to tell us that in relationship to our finances, he provides for us as he decides, and we are to manage it appropriately as he gives it to us. Now, how do we manage? And that's what I want to talk about today. If last week was talking about how to relieve ourselves of greed, how to develop generosity in our life, this week, I want to talk about the issue of management, how the scriptures speak to us in relationship to managing God's resources. Now, here's the way many of us choose to manage our finances. We hope the bills will go away. If we don't look in the mail and it doesn't come, then it doesn't exist. We just hope it'll go away. Time does not heal your finances. It will not bring about a change in your bills. Ignoring it won't make the problem go away. You have to confront it. So the first thing is we hope it'll go away. Now, the second thing that a lot of people do is they worry about it. They worry about it. Jesus tried to tell us that worry, like greed, is simply a lack of trust in God's provision for our life. In fact, I usually call greed and worry twin sisters. When one leaves, the other one shows up. Greed and worry are the result of not trusting in God's provision and not following his pattern and guidance for our life. Recent poll in USA Today said two-thirds of Americans worry about finances on a daily basis. How many of you tend to worry about finances on a regular basis? Come on, be truthful. Okay, good. See, that's... And the reason we do, I got to tell you, the reason we do is because it's a lack of trust or a lack of yielding to God's directive for us in relationship to our finances. We're not managing. We're trying to own. If you try to own, you're going to lose every single time. Okay, thirdly, the third way to deal with our finances is to allow God to handle it. Allow God to handle it. Follow his advice and make sure he's the ruling partner. Make sure he's the ruling partner. That means when he says do it, you do it. It's not a discussion. You just follow his directive. Now, that's today's insight from Jesus. Let's see how we can get a better handle on it. First of all, God is able to handle your financial issues. How many of you believe God's able to handle your financial issues? Okay, good. Because he is. He really is. And the struggle is not that God is unable to handle it. It's the way in which he chooses to handle it. Many times you don't want him to do it that way. You have a different idea of how you want it to be done. Ecclesiastes shares it like this in relationship to God. He says, enjoy prosperity while you can. But when hard times strike, remember that both come from God. Both come from God. You see, all of us go through up times and down times financially. It's going to be a part of your lives for the rest of your life. You shouldn't be surprised by it. That is how life works. In fact, it's how God wants life to work. It's how he desires for it to work. If it worked another way, we'd find ourselves beginning to depend upon things that could somehow meet our needs if it just got better and better. But God says, no, I will help you through the ups and the downs and remind you that things are not certain. 
The only certainty you find in life is God himself, is Jesus, is the Father. He is always certain. He's the God of the ups and he's the God of the downs. We fall into a trap thinking all things are always going to be good. They're not always going to be good. There will be good times. There will be bad times. We will struggle financially and we will prosper financially. And some of us are going to feel like we blew it because we're not prospering. That's not true. The question you've got to ask yourself is, what is God trying to say to me now? How is he trying to build into my life now? What is he doing? Discover it, and you'll discover God's direction to the present problem that you find yourself dealing with. You see, God can give you the strength to face every problem you have. Philippians chapter 4 is a verse that many, many people quote all the time without understanding what it was Paul was talking about. Philippians 4, 12 and 13 says this. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. And then here comes the quote everybody gives you. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What is Paul talking about? Finances. I've learned how to live in poverty, humble means. And I've learned how to live in prosperity. Great stuff. He says it doesn't matter. God gives me strength in every circumstance. Sometimes it's strength not to get greedy when I have these things with me. Sometimes it's strength not to worry or not to become angry or not to become greedy because I don't have as much as I want to have. God gives us strength in every situation to learn how to be contented in our content. You see, God desires to give us help. And sometimes he brings people alongside us to help us as well. But the key is this. He must be our strength. He must be our strength. Once you have the courage, you begin with faith. And then you begin to do the next thing that's part of God's financial plan for you. You see, again, finances are about building our faith and building friendships. We talked about that last week. Building our faith and building friendships. So Paul says again, out of the book of Hebrews, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. God has said this, and this is the most important thing you'll ever experience. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, how's my content tank? See, God is able to handle it. And we have to start at that place. I have faith and belief that God will handle it. He will reward those who seek him. It's a regular, consistent basis, and I act in that manner. I could have a number of couples come up here, one after another, young couples, that have begun to experience this as they begin to yield to God's work in their life. And they begin to see God working powerfully and changing their hearts and their character as a result of having and not having finances and learning how to deal with it appropriately. But the second thing is not only is God able, God is willing. He's not just able, he's willing to give us financial advice. Ecclesiastes 5.11 says, The more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. Anybody experience that? Isn't that incredible? I still remember being in college, and I said to the God, You know, Lord, if I ever make more than $30,000 a year, I will give everything to you. I retracted that statement about 15 years ago. (laughs) 
I thought that was a lot of money then. You see, what I've discovered is that the more I have, the more I spend, and the more I expect. I struggle with the issue of greed and generosity, and I struggle with managing. So the way that God has taught us to handle it is we have that terrible B word. You know what the B word is? Budget. That's the B word. Budget. Go, budget. Budget's a wonderful thing. Ask my wife. My wife says a budget is a wonderful thing. I said, really? My wife says that? Yeah, she says because it tells me how much I can spend. Now, you have to know my wife to understand that. She's very frugal and she tends to be like, you know what? We really shouldn't spend it. We can give this to here or we can give that to here. But a budget allows her to know what we have set before God and what he has directed us in terms of what is the appropriate amount to spend. So she knows what to spend on what areas and feels that much more comfortable about it. You see, all our statistics show that Americans spend from 110 to 120% of their income. Now, that's not going to work for very long. And that's why many of you have credit cards that you're far in debt on. Many of you have loans that you're far in debt on. And the reason is because you've chosen to live a style that's not held up with your income. And God has said, that's not an appropriate style for you to live on. So what do you do? Let me give you three simple things that work in my life and that God consistently speaks to us through the scriptures on. First thing. Here's the first big, big thing. Pray before you pay. Pray before you pay. Too often we ask God to help us out after we made the impulsive decision to buy something that we can't afford. And we say, God, help me. And God says, I do not want to support you in your poor habits and your poor choices. Did you ask me before you bought that if you're supposed to buy that? I'm supposed to be the ruling partner. And we say in most cases, well, God, I was going to, but. He goes, well, now. You are receiving the outcome of your choice. Live with it for a while. Live with it for a while and recognize you made a poor choice. Pray. The more it costs, the more you pray. If it's a hot dog, it's a short prayer. Okay? Well, not if you're Jim over here. You know, he's got, got a heart thing and fibrillator and all this kind of stuff. I go, should you really be eating that hot dog, Jim? And they say, you know, I really shouldn't. So it's not about buying. In this case, it's about appropriateness. That's true in all purchases, by the way, okay? So for me, it's how many calories is it now? I hate this new part of my life. My whole life, I was able to eat anything, anytime, anywhere. It didn't matter, okay? Suddenly, I broke into the 50s, and something changed. It began to grow. My wife said, are you pregnant? Keep it up, baby, you know. Bring it down. And my boy still call me Tubinator. That's what he does. Yeah. John, next time you see John, say, John, how dare you? How dare you call your wonderful dad a Tubinator? I call him Tubby Jr. Unfortunately, he only weighs about 140 pounds. So it doesn't work real well. Nah, I think he got up to 150. Ooh. So you're getting the idea. So things changes. You pray about issues. And the bigger the issue, the bigger the prayer. If you're going to buy a car, you pray about it. Recently, Mary and I said, you know, we ought to get a little SUV here. We'll sell your car. She's got a little 
a nice little Lexus, and it's a cute little car. It's got about 140,000 miles on, 130,000 miles on. And it runs really well, and she really likes it. She says, it's a great car. And I said, well, would you rather have like a little SUV that we could use for towing things around? Notice my explanation. We could use it for, then we could put stuff in it and buy more stuff and carry it around. And she said, that's a great idea. I like that idea. I said, yeah, me too. And we talked about it. Said, that's a great idea. And so I began to search through all the auto trader and find where's the best buy. I went through all this stuff. And I did this for like a month. And Mary's going, you're getting obsessive. I said, I've got to find the right car with the right buy. I've got to make it happen. And I got ready to do it. I said, oh, it's sell yours. I get through the whole thing. And just I got ready to do it. I turned to her and I said, she said, you know, honey, I really don't want another car. I went, man. Really? And I prayed, and the Lord said, Lee, you don't need another car. I said, yes, Lord. Sorry about that. I just got a little carried away there. Now, I had the finances to buy it. Okay? It's not like I couldn't buy it. I wouldn't have paid credit for it. But that's not the point. The point is you pray and you ask God, am I supposed to buy this? You're going to buy a house. Quinn's, Quinn was looking at buying a house here. He's been praying. You know, he gets different answers to his prayers all the time. You know, ay, ay, ay. Lord, help me. Has been wanting. <laughs> Show me the place. His wife says, I think this is the one. No, it's not the one. Okay, this is, maybe this is the one. No, I don't think that. Where is it? What's the place? Because he wants to handle his finances appropriately. And God directs us. We have to pray more if it costs more. That's the first one. So pray before you pay. Pray before you pay. It's such a big deal, folks. It will slow down your spending so fast, you'll be blown away by it. Second one, plan before you spend. Plan before you spend. So Proverbs says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Plans lead to profit. You need to have a workable plan. And in order to do that, it has to be written down. People come to me and they say, oh, I have a budget. I say, you do. Let me see it. Oh, I don't have it written down. Folks, if you don't have your budget written down, you know what? You don't have a budget. You have an idea. You have some cute thoughts. You don't have a budget. I'm so sorry, but you don't. Write it down. The plans, written down plans of the diligent lead to profits. How am I to spend the resources that God has provided me with? How am I supposed to have this? We talked about vision last week and the same idea. You've got to write it down. Money that comes easily disappears quickly. But money that is gathered little by little, according to plan, will grow. Spend less than you earn. And here's my tip for you. Get rich slowly. Not quickly. Slowly. Day by day, week by week, month by month. Work the plan. Okay, that's two. Pray before you pay. Plan before you spend. And number three is inspect before you expect. Inspect before you expect. Inspect before you expect. Be sure you know the conditions of your flocks is the way Proverbs put it. Today you might say, be sure you know the condition of your stocks. You got to know where you're going. Where your finances are going. You need a system for determining what you spend and where to spend it. You need discipline to decrease your debt and increase your savings. That's God's plan. There's a great scripture it's in Proverbs 22, 7, and it says this. The borrower is slave or servant to the lender. Now, many of you need to write that on the side of your credit card. 
You need to write right there. Little teeny print, just big enough so you can read it. The borrower is slave to the lender. And every time you pull that puppy out, you need to look at it and say, if I choose to use this, I better know that the money is sitting in the bank. Okay, my, my son-in-law, Chris, is really good about using credit cards. He uses them. He doesn't let them use him. He uses them. And he gets a percentage back from them. But he only uses what he knows he always has the money for. And he's very disciplined. He can do that. Most of us aren't. Most of us aren't able to do that. So you need to write on that. The borrower is what to the lender? Slave. slave. How many of you want to be a slave? I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to be a slave. And that's the cry of God. He said, if you don't want to be slave, inspect before you expect. Inspect before you expect. If you expect something to take place, inspect it. Take a look at it. Be aware of it. Realize you're taking a choice. God warns us again and again and again about the danger of this. Those who have been in debt for a long time, how, are you, how long is it going to take you to get out? How long is it going to take you to get out? been in debt for a long time. Long time. That's right. Long time. You need to sit into place and diligently continue to do the right thing. And then you'll get out. But you must use the key to unlock the door of debt. See, some of you need a simple theme. Debt free by 2017. Eh? Go, that's two years, Pastor. I know. But some of you are really heavily in debt. So lay it out. Do you need some help? Some of you are saying, well, I I, I need some help. We have lots of people in this congregation be glad to help you. If you really want help, I have people that will help you. You just come to me afterwards. You don't got to tell everybody here. Just come to me and say, Pastor, we need help. Okay, great. I will set you up with somebody that will do it. And if they won't, I'll work with you in terms of the basics. But we have wonderful people in our congregation that are very, very good at dealing with these issues of finances. And they help you set a budget. But remember this, they can't do it for you. They can just show you what to do. You have to make the decision. They'll set it up, and you've got to follow the plan. You see, there's always a key in relationship to finances. And 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says it this way. They first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. You need to check your content. What's first in your life? We're to reuse the resources that God has provided us with to accomplish the purpose That he gives us the vision that he's given to you. Each of you should have a vision for your finances. If you don't have it, you need to be praying. I told you this last week. You need to be praying, asking God, what's the vision for my finances? Ken came up to me on Tuesday, last Tuesday, and said, Pastor, you know, on this Tuesday night thing, I have to give up a night to work here. But I'm beginning to say, you know, God has given me a vision for how I'm supposed to do this. I'm thinking, this is perfume to my nose. You know, sweet smell when I hear that kind of stuff. I go, this is so good. Think it, work it. Get the vision. Allow the vision to determine where you spend your finances, what you do with them, and how God wants to use them. Vision. World War II. There was a Jewish man who was given a vision for how he could save the lives of thousands of Jewish people. He followed the vision, and the result was miraculous. A movie was made in relationship to this, and the movie was called, some of you know, Schindler's List. Let's watch a part about that movie and listen to this clip. When you have a vision, when you have a vision, 
God clarifies the purpose, the reason that He's provided you with what you have. And when that vision grabs a hold of you, you're overwhelmed by it. And suddenly, you understand the purpose of the resources that God has given you. Just one more. Two more insights. Eh? Two more insights. God has provided us with so much, but He wants you to manage His business. We talked about this last week. You see, no one can serve two masters, either serve God or money. You have a choice who you're going to serve. You can't serve God and greed. Money is to be used, not loved. It's to be led, not served. It's to be managed, not owned. Listen to the priest. He says this, a tithe of everything from the land, the grain, the soil, the fruit, the trees. It belongs to the Lord. The entire tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod is holy, holy to the Lord. Why a tenth? Why not 50%? That would be a partnership. 50% of all I have is God's. That would be an appropriate partnership. But God says, no, I'm a generous God. I want you to give to me 10% as your ruling partner. And if you do that, then I will take care of you. I will take care of you. If we honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, then he will fill your barns. God says, give me 10%. I was talking to Ken about tipping servers. And he said the common rate now is 20%. For those of you who don't know, last time you went and you didn't give 20%, you're cheap. I know, my wife told me. I said, I thought 10% was good. She said, cheap. I'm not kidding. Cheap. She said, you preach generosity. I said, cheap. She said, cheap. I increased the tip. God doesn't ask for a tip. God's given you a tip. He's saying, if you give me 10%, I will destroy the grip of greed in your life. I will provide you with the ability to handle your resources. I will do beyond your imagination as you yield to my directive in your life. See, the first part we talked about is that God desires not the leftovers of our life, but the first part of our life. He'll take care of you in the up and the down times. And for some of us, instead of giving God his percentage of the business, we're just giving him the business. We're just saying, God, help me. But we're not providing our percentage. We're not responding appropriately to him. When God is first, he breaks the hold of greed in our life. 
Now, as important as it is to give a tithe, to set aside 10% of your income to the Lord, and it's very important, by the way. The older I get, the more I realize how important it is. That's just the first part of the plan. I see some people say, oh, well, I'm going to give a tithe, and then God will handle everything else. That is not what he says. He gives very specific directions in how to manage the resources. Very specific. And the tithe is the first directive. It's not the last. It's the first. Out of 38 parables, Jesus used 16 of them to deal with possessions and with money. Why? Because money carries a virus with it. It brings hardening of the arteries. And it kills us, destroys our hearts, if we're not incredibly careful. We must follow the principles that God has laid out. Now, some of you are saying, you know, I I tell God, well, God, I'll handle the financial part. You take care of the relational issues. God says, I take care of all the issues or I don't take care of any of the issues. That is the directive that he gives us. You see, it all fits together. It's not a little here and a little there and a little here. It all fits together. And when we follow the directives, it all fits correctly. I put a screen in my door just, just yesterday. I went in. I had to put this screen in. And when I originally checked it, you know, as, as, you, as you talk to Jim over here, key thing to carpenters is you should measure, in my case, 12 times. So I bought it, da-da-da-da, got through it, looked at it, measured it again, and I said, are you kidding me? And then I looked at it closely and said, I can make this work. And I did. Thank you very much. Yes, I did, and it worked. It worked following the directives that were laid out, saying this is how much room you need. And I said, if that's how much room I need, this is how I can do it. God has a variety of ways in which he's going to guide your life. He'll give a variety of directions in how he wants to do it. You need to listen to his directions in relationship to saving, in relationship to management. God is able and he's willing to handle your financial issues. He's also very willing to give you advice. The question is, are you willing to let him and to follow the advice that he's given? You see, God wants you to manage his business. But here's the key, and it's one that we don't always like. God gets to determine the business. God gets to determine what business. And that is the key to our life. He understands who we are. He understands what we can handle. As I told the elders the other day, I said, you know, Lord, if you would just give me a million dollars, I would give a lot of it away. And I concluded a while back that God was perfectly able of giving me a million dollars. He was also smart enough not to. Because I couldn't handle it. That's not in my DNA. Other people it is. And he says, I will provide Schindler with millions of dollars so that he can bring life to thousands of people. And that's the directive we learned last week. God gives us more so that we can give it away. God gives us more so that we can give it away. It's not for us to gain more. It's so that we might be able to give more. Haggai says this, You have planted much, but harvested little. You have food to eat, but not enough to fill you up. You have wine to drink, but not enough to satisfy your thirst. You have clothing to wear, but not enough to keep you warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Sound familiar? 
you're thinking if you get more, it'll be enough. No, it won't. No, it won't. Not unless you learn how to manage the business that God has given you. You see, you are able to do far more with 90% of what God provides with you than 150% of what he doesn't. You're fooling yourself if you think, well, if I give God this, I won't have enough for that. God is saying, if you give me this, you'll have more than enough. But if you don't, you won't. You'll prove to yourself the lie that you've told yourself. It will happen. And you'll be like, how does Lee live on this amount that's far less than I get and he's living better? How? Let me tell you something. God doesn't deal with math. God made math. And he takes this wonderful thing. I give him 10% and he gives me back 30. How? I don't know. It just does. It just does. That's called faith in responsiveness to his directive. Jesus said this. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's giving them the beat down. Eh? This is what's happened. He says, they were bragging about their tithing. They were saying, you know, we even tithe the coming in our garden. We even make sure that we tithe and we have lettuce. We make sure that 10% of that goes to God. We are so totally focused upon giving to God that God's going to bless our lives. And Jesus says this interesting statement. He says, you do give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your deal, and your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You should have practiced the latter. What's the latter? Justice, mercy, and what? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Money's the cheap stuff. He says, now what is the former? The former is the tithe. You should have practiced this without neglecting that. Now here's what I believe Jesus is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us that the tithe is the beginning point that helps us to get to the real point. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He is saying that when you gave the tithe, it enabled you to begin to do this. To act justly. To live humbly. To be faithful for God. But you chose not to follow through with what God gave you the ability to do. You blew it. The tithe bridges our faith so we can reach the true Riches in life. You see, that's how God acts. He uses that tithe to bridge our ability to generosity, to bridge our ability to do and accomplish the purpose that He set before us. God doesn't need our money. We desperately need to give it to Him. Desperately. So that we can live in a world that's filled with greed and be generous people. See, I'm afraid that many of us are flirting with cultural Christianity as this consumer mentality. What can I get? How much more can I get? How can I get it? How will you give it to me? Instead of, how can I give more generously? I guarantee you, as much as it muddles in our head and we get all mixed up, the only thing that will bring you real pleasure in your life is giving, not getting. 
You'll be like wearing a mink coat today. Don't you look nice as you sweat the whole time? That's the picture God is saying. If you learn to give, you will gain immensely. The tithe provides a bridge so that God can work through our lives in powerful ways and provide us with that which we so desperately want and need. He provides the desired content so we can be contented. And there's no other way to get it. You only get it through management. God owns everything, but because He loves us, because He loves us, He's given us a business to manage. And we're to use that business to build faith to build friendships. He'll provide the insight and the capital to build that if we let Him. See, finances are a tool and they're a test and they're a testimony. Paul put it this way, and my God will meet all your needs according to His riches, glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He owns it all. He understands it all. He can take care of it all. If we'll allow him to do it. God takes care of all things at all times. We can meet all of our needs. Wow. See, here's here's the key. And I say this as somebody who's in their 60s now. So hopefully you'll listen more carefully than you did when I said it when I was in my 30s. God desires to give you a vision. And you need to find out what that vision is. And sometimes that takes sweat. It's going to be middle of the night. It's going to be early in the morning. You're going to say, God, give me a vision that I might live my life for more than just myself. Rarely will it be a Schindler vision. But did you see the cost? If you watched the film, you saw the cost of his vision. Phenomenal vision. Phenomenal cost. But God will give you a vision that's appropriate to the cost that you can pay. It will always involve responding to him in accordance with his directive. You start with the tithe. It bridges us to the next dot, and God begins to take care of everything in our life. That's the foundation of faith our business is built on. A love of God, not money. We affirm it by giving him 10%. Okay? Am I clear? Got it. Let's pray. Father, we so much appreciate the fact that you give us directions in our life. That we're not wandering around in darkness and wondering what to do. That you show us the first step that we need to take. And you give us the ability to take it. Lord, I've seen over and over again, you provide the tithe for me to give. It's amazing. You provide it. Just because you want me so desperately to learn that you are the provider of everything and that you can handle every situation. Lord, as we submit to you today, we asked, give us a vision. Give us a vision of how to manage our business, the one you've given us. And we will give you praise. We'll give you honor. We'll put you first. Lord, we want to be able to say to others around us when we're in our 30s and our 40s and our 50s and our 60s, God always comes through. And I've experienced it over and over again. Show yourself, Lord, as we speak to you even this day. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts. Change us. 
Take away our greed. Replace it with generosity. Build our faith as only you can. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.